Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can find me at liveto110.com. And you can find this video podcast on my YouTube channel, Wendy Live to 110. Please go there and subscribe. I have lots of videos there for you, all kinds of educational materials. And you can also find this video podcast on the corresponding blog post on the website, liveto110.com. Today, I'm so excited we have Dr. William Shaw on the podcast. He is the founder of Great Plains Labs. Uh, they're one of the labs that I use as a functional diagnostic nutritionist to test uh, for all kinds of things. They have some of the most advanced tests on the market today, including testing for oxalates. We're going to be te- uh, talking about oxalates on the show and how very prevalent they are and how, uh, how they co- you know, contribute to so many different health conditions, so many different vague symptoms. And most medical doctors is just not on their radar at all, especially if you have a pain syndrome or con- uh, chronic fatigue, autism, 80 to 90 percent of children uh, that have uh, autism also have oxalate issues, causes them a, a lot of a lot of health problems and pain, etc. So we're, we're going to be talking about what causes oxalates, what they are, and what you can do to reduce them in your body via supplementation and diet. But first, we have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment that we suggest today on the show. And I'm so thrilled that my Body Bio Rehab program is launched. Go check it out at bodybiorehab.com. I get a lot of basic questions about health. I get hundreds of emails every week of people asking me, um, how much uh, should I exercise? What kind of exercise should I do? What's the best diet? And lots of uh, questions about the most effective means of detox, etc. So I wanted to create this online program to answer all of those basic questions And it's a very comprehensive program with five different modules, diet, sleep, stress, uh, exercise, and detoxification. And there's a, you know, a video for every single module, uh, lots of, uh, you know, reading and uh, videos, etc. to help to educate you. Also lots of program materials and workbooks, uh, 30-day meal plan, etc. to help you get on track and on the road to wellness. The program absolutely will help you lose weight, increase your energy, reduce brain fog, and get you the health results that you seek. So go look at it at bodybiorehab.com. You can also check out my healing and detox program, Mineral Power, at mineralpower.com. This is the number one thing I do with all of my personal clients that I work with is to start with a hair mineral analysis and get a complete health history of my clients to figure out the best course of action to eliminate their health symptoms and to reverse disease. Um, it's a very comprehensive program uh, that entails uh, you know, customized supplements targeted to your body chemistry, definitely detoxification. You have to address detoxification if you ever plan to be well and have the energy that you, you know, enjoyed as a youth. Uh, in our toxic modern world, if you don't have detox in your health regimen, you are not going to be healthy. It's just not possible today. Um, so go check that out at mineralpower.com. Our guest today is Dr. William Shaw. He is an American chemist, autism researcher, and the founder of the Great Plains Laboratory. Shaw has a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from the University of Georgia and a PhD from the Medical University of Southern California and also one in biochemistry. After obtaining his PhD, Shaw spent six years working at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, where he was a supervisory research chemist and the chief of the Radioimmunoassay Laboratory. His laboratory, the Great Great Plains Laboratory, which he founded in 1996, specializes in metabolic and nutritional testing, particularly as it pertains to autism. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you you got into research and what you're researching uh-huh. now? Yeah, so uh, the company that that um, the president of Great Plains Laboratory was started as a result of a lifetime goal of mine. You know, when when I got out of school, the I I thought that that uh, the technology of mass spectrometry was just becoming widely available. And I thought if you were able to test 
urine samples, you'd be able to, in essence, learn every single thing about a person's physiology. And, and by knowing every single molecule, you'd be able to know what was causing their illness. And, and with that knowledge, you'd be able to institute a treatment based on uh, those abnormalities. So, so that was, you know, just getting out of uh, graduate school. That was my goal. And, and it, it took a lot longer than I anticipated to uh, realize my dream, but eventually I, I got there and, and uh, you know, largely uh, accomplished that, which is a nice thing to do. Yeah, I love your lab. I, I, you know, I'm an FDN, so I do all of uh -huh. your testing. I love the fatty acids profile and uh -huh. the, um, the the oath, the organic acids test, and uh -huh. you have a lot of really great tests. The metal and mineral RBC test is great as well. Um, but let's talk about oxalates. I want to focus on oxalates because yeah. I'm really surprised by how many clients that I'm testing that have oxalates. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about what oxalates are? Yeah. So oxalates are a small molecule and and they form crystals. And probably a lot of people have seen oxalates. If they've walked out in the woods, sometime there's some yellowish mold growing at the bottom of dead trees. Uh, it's very common for mold and fungus to make oxalates. Uh, and if you if you go into uh, moldy buildings, like at the uh, fort at Old San Juan, I saw some black mold on the ceiling, and you could see uh, like stalactites coming down, and more than likely those were stalactites of oxalates. Uh, so they're produced by mold, fungus, and probably candida, uh, but the human body also produces them as a waste product, uh, they are, sometimes they'll get into murder cases. So there was a, a case where one physician got mad at her boyfriend and put uh, antifreeze in his coffee. And the antifreeze is not toxic itself. It's toxic because it's converted to oxalates. Mm. That's what makes it poisonous. As a result of that, the the uh, these one of the consumer groups made a a very bitter material that has to be put into antifreeze to prevent poisoning uh, uh, like that. So it, it's a very toxic thing. It's one of the most common reasons that that cats and dogs die in the winter time because a car may have a leaky radiator. And the ethylene glycol, which is in the antifreeze, is very sweet tasting. And so they lick it and then develop the oxalate crystals uh, and die. So it is, uh, it's a very toxic compound. Uh, there are, with different chemicals, they, they have these sheets they call MSDS sheets. So every chemical that's produced has to have this fact sheet on what the substance is and what kinds of harm it can cause you and how much it would take to kill you. And if you look up the oxalate MSDS sheet, you'll see that it says uh, between 500 to 1500 milligrams of oxalate uh, can be lethal. What's interesting is this is the same range of oxalate that's found in the common green smoothie. Uh, it's exactly wow. that same amount. <laughs> so rather than being a health food, I would call it a, a health catastrophe uh, food. Anybody who's taking these on a regular basis it's, it, uh, has the possibility of radically altering their health for the worse. So in addition to forming in the kidneys, these oxalates can form in all the tissues in the body. And they can form in the brain, uh, in the thyroid, in the liver, uh, in the skin, uh, in the heart. And they can cause uh, atherosclerosis. As a matter of fact, I strongly suspect that the oxalate problem is probably 
a more important factor in atherosclerosis than cholesterol is. Yeah. And so it just, this is just has to do with fads and trends in the medical field. You know, you've got this huge number of researchers working on cholesterol. And of course, the more they work, the more grants they work, they get. And then the more drug companies become, see it as a profit uh, potential. And pretty soon you have all these uh, a huge number of drugs for lowering uh, cholesterol, and yet I think there are other factors that are equally or are more important uh, in the treatment of many diseases. But it's called the pylon effect. Once somebody gets into a field, a whole bunch of people do it. I mean, it's just like hula hoops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how prevalent are oxalates? Because, like I said, I'm surprised by how many of my clients have oxalates. I was convinced I had oxalates, but I did an organic acid test, and I don't have them. I was very, very happy I'm about that. Glad that you don't have them. <laughs> so, I bet you're not one of those people drinking green smoothies oh, every no. day. I did. I did that for a while, and I didn't. I didn't feel great after uh, doing them. I did them for a couple of years, and I just didn't see an improvement in my health. And they were pretty disgusting, um, so I, I stopped uh, drinking those. Yeah. I don't recommend them to clients either. Uh, yeah. But so, how prevalent are oxalates in our society? I th- I think that they're extremely prevalent now because of these these health fads. I I did a Google search, and there was. 609,000 hits for green smoothies, but I think there were only about three hits for the uh, toxic effects of oxalates that might be in the green smoothie. So so it really is a huge fad. In addition to that is the uh, spinach salad. I don't know how many people uh, have come to me and said, I wanted to make a shift to better food in my diet, to a healthier diet. And they perceived that a healthier diet was something that tasted really bad, um, (laughs) which was a a huge bowl uh, of raw spinach. And and sometimes they topped it off with other high oxalate foods like berries and and, uh, nuts. So they had like the perfect storm for a high oxalate diet. And virtually every one of those I talked to ended up with kidney stones, Mm. uh, not realizing that it was related at all. You know, a lot of people, they, when they hear that something is healthy, they, they don't question the source and and it is, it's, it's purely a, um, a fad. Can people tolerate those foods on occasion, say if they have a healthy gut and they don't have tons of yeast and mold, et cetera, in their body making oxalates? Uh, well, a lot of the oxalate is right in the food itself, though. So, so for example, uh, the, I, I became extremely interested a number of years ago, but, but then recently found out that there was research from uh, about 75 years ago that indic- that was done by the Campbell Soup Company. So they were food chemists and they wanted to see, you know, what, what vegetables should they put in the Campbell's vegetable soup. And so they said, well, we better check it out and make sure they're really healthy. And, and they, and they uh, put rats on uh, different diets. And the one that was high in spinach was remarkable because a high percentage of the rats died on a 10% spinach diet and and uh, their teeth got uh, loose and fell out, their bones became extremely soft and it, they found it impossible to uh, reproduce. So, so oxalates were, so because of that, they're uh, they're, they, they, I think they decided that putting a lot of spinach in their soup would not be uh, a good move. And so that, that, so it's sometimes very worthwhile to go back to the older literature. You know, a lot of people think, well, if an article's old, it must be out of date. But if it's, if the science is done well, you know, Mendel's laws 
are still in effect, even though they were, you know, uh, uh, done, the experiments were done 150 years ago. They were done correctly and rigorously, and they're still in effect. Even old doesn't mean uh, necessarily out of date. Yeah, our bodies don't change. <laughs> That's right. We have, you know, very close to the same DNA that our ancestors had 50,000 years ago. We haven't had that much um, change in our underlying uh, genetic material. So what common chemicals can cause excess oxalates that people may be unaware of? So the the biggest thing is the is the food and in addition to spinach there's some that are similar to spinach arugula and and uh, Swiss chard are also uh, very high in uh, uh, oxalates and the difficulty is that these aren't things there's some things if you cook you denature the thing, but oxalate isn't one of them. So oxalate is a very sturdy molecule and you could boil it for days and it's still going to be just as toxic as it was uh, uh, prior to starting the cooking process. The only advantage in cooking would be if you boil something like spinach for a long period of time a lot of the oxalates might go into the water. So oxalate is very insoluble, but it would be more soluble in boiling hot water. And so by boiling it extensively and chopping the spinach into tiny, tiny pieces, you could probably take a lot of the oxalates uh, out. But you can't do that with a, a spinach salad. A spinach salad, you're going to get a huge chunk of the oxalates that are in there. Another source of oxalates that you have to be aware of is high doses of vitamin C. So when vitamin C decomposes, it can uh, form uh, oxalates. In the literature, the medical literature is controversial. Some articles indicate that even uh, 500 milligrams, uh, greater than 500 milligrams might result in increased oxalate, whereas others indicate you have to exceed 2,000. And what I think, I suspect it's a biochemical individuality that some people don't form oxalates from vitamin C until it gets to very high levels, uh, and some people will. And one of the important factors are if the person has excess iron or copper, uh, it accelerates the breakdown of uh, vitamin C to, to form oxalates. Mm. So that is a very important uh, uh, factor. So there's, I became embroiled in some controversy because the, one of the prison systems in the United States, the Illinois state prisons, decided they would save money by not giving the prisoners meat. And they were going to give them uh, soy protein in place of uh, meat. So they were giving them soy burgers and soy turkey. Oh, and, that's the kind and, of torture. <laughs> and also giving them soy bread and soy cookies. And, and they were coming down with terrible illnesses and heart disease. And, and so they've actually uh, initiated a lawsuit against the prison system. Uh, so these individuals suffering uh, were just not eating the prison food at all. They, you know, they're able to, prisoners are able to make some money in the prison shops and they were just eating the junk food in the prison commissary, they preferred that to the toxic oxalate diet they were getting from the state. So that's still ongoing. As far as I know, it hasn't, that lawsuit hasn't uh, resolved yet. So soy is high in oxalates as well? Yes. So soy is another one that, that soy and spinach are so high that I actually think they're, they're not suitable as human foods. Mm. They really, uh, if you use spinach at all, I would say use it as a garnish, like people put use parsley 
So t- eating a very small amount isn't going to be harmful, but any large portion, um, the oxalates in there are so high that not only the oxalates toxic, but they also bind the person's calcium and magnesium and zinc and other uh, essential elements and, and keep the person from absorbing uh, healthy minerals. So even though there's some uh, beneficial elements in, uh, in spinach and soy, the, the, the fact that they are chelating agents uh, prevents them from, from being a healthy food. Uh, so the amount of protein, of course, in, uh, in spinach is negligible. Uh, soy does have some protein, but the amount of oxalates are just uh, uh, just gigantic. Yeah, yeah. I stopped eating soy a long time ago uh, for many, many different reasons. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about vitamin C. Um, so you said vitamin C can turn into oxalates in some individuals. Yeah. Um, should it be completely avoided if you have oxalates? Uh, I think I would just recommend keeping the intake to 500 milligrams a day or less. I think that you would be pretty safe in most uh, cases. Uh, I do know of in in some of the applications where it's used intravenously, absolutely gigantic values like 100 grams a day are sometimes used in an infusion. And I think that could be um, that could be toxic, and it could cause some uh, kidney stones or uh, oxalates depositing in other tissues as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's just crazy to do mega dosing like that of any nutrient because uh, our body only absorbs so much um, huh. at one time. So, what about the differences between a food-based uh, vitamin C like amla or camo camo? Uh-huh. Um, liposomal or just plain old synthetic ascorbic acid. Do all of these forms turn into oxalates? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the so once these once these uh, forms of vitamin C are absorbed, they're all basically going to be converted to the same biochemical form, regardless of whether you take the uh, the buffered form or the plain ascorbic acid or ascorbate, once they're in the body, they're they're pretty much going to be converted to exactly the same thing. So, um, so um, so I've cut back. I used to recommend much higher doses of vitamin C, and since learning this information, I've been more conservative about the uh, doses. I've recommended. I like I said. I don't know whether this happens in every single person. Uh, the major factor is: does the person have excessive uh, copper uh, and and or iron uh, in their bloodstream? If they have the excess free copper or free iron, uh, this could be uh, toxic. Yeah. So you would recommend uh, much lower uh, vitamin C for these individuals? Yeah. Okay. So are no vitamin C or just lower, like maybe 100, 200 milligrams? No, I think, I think I'd feel comfortable going up as, far, as, far as, as high as uh, 500 okay. milligrams. Okay, great. I think for, for an adult. And then, for, of course, for children, it would, be, it would be scaled down proportionally by body weight, say, assuming an average adult is 150 pounds. So if you had a 75-pound child, you would use say, um, 250 as a maximum. Okay. And let's talk along those lines. Okay. Yeah. And let's talk about some of the the health conditions that can be caused by oxalates. Uh Um, so there's lots of different health conditions that can be exacerbated by oxalates. Can we talk a little bit about, about those? Yeah. You know, one of the most dramatic is autism. So about 90% of children with autism have, uh, elevated oxalates and it was kind of interesting when I first started doing research in autism, I had noticed that, but it didn't publish the results because I, I just thought it was impossible. And, uh, and later on, there became additional people who were reporting that, and I felt comfortable releasing my uh, earlier 
uh, data on that. And it's been found that reducing oxalates by, you know, a variety of techniques uh, helps tremendously with the symptoms of autism. Uh, many of them have uh, gastrointestinal symptoms, but it also helps behavioral symptoms and increased learning ability. So oxalates can form anywhere uh, in the body, including the brain and the blood-brain barrier. And when they do, they can impair the function of whatever uh, tissue uh, they form in. They can short-circuit nerves because if the oxalate crystals are are blocking a nerve pathway, then that nerve signal may not uh, may not progress. Yeah, and they can really gum up your methylation cycles as well, correct, and prevent you from detoxing. Uh, the oxalates can be a, a major problem as far as detoxification, and the biggest problem with oxalates is that they are extremely powerful chelating agents. So ordinarily you might think, oh, that's good. But unlike uh, therapeutic chelating agents that take heavy metals out of the body, oxalates trap heavy metals inside the body. So when oxalates have the highest affinity of almost any substance for trapping mercury and lead. And so if the person is exposed to that, it reacts with oxalate and forms a insoluble crystal. And then those insoluble crystals uh, form inside all the different tissues in the body. And, and so whatever toxic metal you're exposed to is being kept instead of being eliminated. So one of the best things you can do if you're exposed to toxic metals is to is uh, one of the ways to eliminate them is use the lowest oxalate diet that that uh, you can find. So unfortunately, all these people with their spinach salads and green smoothies are are st- have stored up tremendous amounts of toxic metals. Uh, in their body, which which becomes worse and worse as they get older. So in so, really, in some ways, aging isn't losing function. It's just an accumulation of toxic factors. So each year you accumulate a little more toxic chemical into some, at some time it reaches a tipping point and, and you begin to have a, uh, a bunch of negative uh, health effects due to the uh, long-term accumulation of toxic substances like uh, lead and mercury and other toxic metals. Yeah, I love that you said that. I absolutely agree with that because there's there's too much evidence of healthy individuals around the world living into their hundreds, et cetera. Um, and but here in the United States, we're we're so toxic and have you know less than enviable diets, et cetera. And people are succumbing to toxicity, not old age. And so I think people right. can live a very long time um, into old age and be very healthy. Um, if they play their cards right. Um, so what are some some other signs? What are the, the typical health signs that you have oxalates? It can be almost anything. So, for example, vulvodynia, where the women have uh, uh, the, the reproductive tract is raw and painful. Uh, this can be due to the deposits of oxalates in the vagina and the rest of the reproductive tract. And, and the treatment is the same in each case, which is get used a low oxalate diet, um, treat candida or, or other fungus that may be there. And of course, uh, vaginal candida is extremely common and, uh, and, uh, use, uh, use calcium and magnesium citrate as nutritional supplements. Uh, For an adult, 300 milligrams of calcium citrate and 100 milligrams of magnesium citrate with each meal. Uh, And it has to be with the meal. You can't, you, you know, if you miss a meal, you can't take more at the next meal because the the citrate forms help to uh, prevent the oxalates from 
uh, being absorbed. So they have to be taken with the meal. And then another very important factor is vitamin B6. So in the body, there's a branch point and and, um, precursors of oxalate can go two ways. If they go one way, they form oxalate. And so the body can produce oxalates as well. If there's adequate B6, the body converts these precursors to glycine, which is not toxic at all compared to oxalate. And so having adequate B6 is a very important health factor. And this is something that everybody can do because B6 is one of the least toxic uh, nutritional substances. Um, a dose of 100 milligrams a day is is very safe. So there's almost never side effects at that at that dose for an adult. And at that dose, there is a significant increase in life expectancy. So a study was done in Texas where a family physician put a part of his patients on B6 at 100 milligrams a day and the other not. And the patients on B6 lived an average of eight years longer than the patients not getting uh, B6. So about the only side effect of B6 is longer life. Yeah. Yeah, And um, are there any other supplements one can take to dissolve oxalates? I've heard that essential oil of lemon, which is basically pure potassium citrate, can be helpful as well. Yeah. So that's another one. So citrate of any form uh, is helpful. And it's found if you do the organic acid test, people with low citric acid in their in their urine would be more susceptible uh, to problems with oxalates. Taking more magnesium in general, magnesium citrate is the best form, but any form of magnesium is helpful because it helps to dissolve oxalates. And uh, drinking a lot of water is important. It's been found people are much more likely to have kidney stones in the southern United States than in the north just because it's hotter and people get dehydrated. So people who are dehydrated are much more likely to have kidney stones, but also these these uh, crystals of oxalate in their other uh, organs as well. Uh, one of the most dramatic uh, side effects of the high oxalate is they can form in the eyes and so it's a common, it's a common factor in, in, uh, in children with autism. And part of it's due to a lot of those children are, are on a milk-free diet and so aren't getting an adequate amounts of calcium. So these oxalate crystals form in their eye. And, and more than 20 children with autism actually pulled their own eyes out because the pain was so bad that they couldn't tolerate it uh, anymore. So the oxalate crystals, and, and at autopsy, it's found that these crystals do indeed form in the eye. They can form in the thyroid gland and, and cause uh, thyroid uh, disorder. Uh, in a series of um, autopsies, it was found a significant number of people had the oxalate crystals in their atherosclerotic lesions in their coronary arteries. And I suspect this is a very common problem. The, the finding of cholesterol in the arteries may be due to a, an attempt by the body to, um, to, to uh, dam the damage done by the oxalates. So the oxalates have a direct negative effect on the uh, on the production of the endothelial lining of the arteries. They have a pronounced uh, effect on on killing the cells that keep the artery walls uh, smooth with the uh, endothelial lining, and and so I think this is a very important factor. So at some time, I don't know when this is going to happen, at some time there will be a tremendous 
uh, new interest in in uh, this thing. But right now, I think the manufacturers of statin drugs prefer to keep everybody's interest uh, focused on uh, on cholesterol, uh, even though low cholesterol is uh, can be just as harmful as high cholesterol can. Are there any other signs of oxalates? I know a lot of my clients that I found oxalates and they have really tight muscles, uh, really painful, stiff muscles. Are there any Absolutely. other signs? That, that is a sign. So what I suspect is perhaps the majority of patients with fibromyalgia, uh, what the fibromyalgia pains are, I suspect, is the, the uh, oxalate crystals being deposited uh, in the muscle cells, and 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 there are lots of slides available showing uh, the oxalate crystals can form in the heart as well, and and inhibit the transmission of the of the uh, nerve signal that causes the heartbeat. So the so the the oxalates can also cause uh, arrhythmias as well if they're uh, at such concentrations that they're. Uh, impairing the conduction uh, signal in 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 the heart. So uh, there's just a huge number. Uh, in some people, the oxalates will appear in the skin, and you can actually see them. You will see white specks of um, the crystals actually appearing in the skin, and if it gets severe enough, it causes. Uh, it causes the skin to become necrotic and it'll just turn black. So initially they may see these crystals in the skin itself and then as more and more of these crystals, it'll just completely um, start to damage uh, the skin, causing it to uh, uh, turn black and blue. Um, so, uh, so do you think that anyone with kidney stones, that that's without a doubt they have oxalate issues? It's something like uh, 80 to 90 percent of kidney stones are due to oxalate. So, so anybody who's ever had a kidney stone should be looking at this angle and should be tested and probably also uh, get the, the, the DNA testing. There are certain individuals who have the genes that are much more likely to result in kidney stones because they don't detoxify them as well or the individual is producing uh, higher amounts of oxalates than uh, normal. So the DNA testing is going to be available and it's something Great Plains is very interested in. We're planning on having that testing available uh, in the fall. Uh, what, what kind of testing? The DNA testing oh, the DNA. For, okay, great. for all the genes involved in uh, oxalate metabolism. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, so oxalates can also promote leaky gut, correct? Um, if they yes. perforate the gut wall. Yeah. And can you talk yeah. a little about that and how gut infections, which are so prevalent in our society today, promote the production of oxalates? Yeah. So there, So one of the problems is is um, the uh, if there's not if there's not enough and uh, not enough uh, uh, digestion and absorption of uh, of fat, some of the fats can bind uh, calcium and the the non-absorbed fats bind calcium and then the calcium can't combine with the oxalate. And that makes the oxalates be absorbed into the body. So if they form with calcium, then they precipitate out and they're lost in the stool. But if there's a lot of, of unabsorbed fat due to factors um, like GI infection, uh, it's much more likely that oxalates will be uh, absorbed into the body. So there's a wide range of problems that can be caused by the oxalates they can they can form in the testes and cause uh, reproductive uh, problems in males uh, and maybe that's why men don't like to eat those spinach salads as much as the <laughs> women do <laughs> you have to go with their intuition on that one <laughs> so uh, 
so a large number of the uh, factors, uh, oxalates at high amounts can deposit in the bone marrow. So the person can actually get, become anemic uh, due to the fact that oxalates um, actually get into the bone marrow and crowd out the, the cells in the, blo- in the bone marrow that are producing the red cells and white cells. So the person can become anemic and also can have their immune system impaired because the oxalates are crowding out the cells that are responsible uh, for immunity. So they're really bad players and there is no known benefit to uh, oxalates. It is purely considered to be a, uh, a waste product and you know, and occasionally animals will will uh, will have problems with the oxalates as well if they're eating uh, certain uh, uh, foods in the pasture in the wild that are high in oxalates. The animals can have uh, similar uh, similar problems. Yeah, and so yeast definitely will contribute to oxalate issues and production of oxalates. So whenever I have a client and they're talking about they've got long-standing candida issues, bing, I automatically think they've probably got oxalate issues. They've probably got oxalates, and so I see a very high correlation between uh, those two factors. I have a friend who is a uh, ENT, uh, ear, nose, and uh, throat specialist. Sorry for that. That's okay. <laughs> and 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 uh, and he had a patient who had severe sinus problems and did an X-ray and found oxalate stalactites in the sinus of the patient, and it was due to because they had a mold infection of the of the sinuses. Uh, a few years ago, Mayo Clinic did a study found that most sinus infections are due to fungus, not to bacteria, whereas the most common treatments are to give the person antibiotics, which, of course, cause the mold and fungus to proliferate and make the sinus problems uh, worse. So he put the patient on uh, an antifungal therapy and the and a follow-up showed that the the stalactites had uh, had disappeared. Wow, that's mind blowing <laughs> to have stalactites in your sinuses. And and which brings up the in the prison study uh, of the prisons we did extensive and we found that all of these prisoners did indeed have high oxalates. And one of them actually had severe stomach problems on x-ray. It was found they had stalactites of oxalate in their stomach. Wow. So the oxalates can be highly significant. The other thing that's uh, oxalates are unique in that they're one of the few things that is absorbed primarily in the stomach. So most of the oxalates are absorbed in the stomach only uh, a smaller portion, perhaps 90%, with only maybe 10 or 20% being absorbed uh, in the intestine. Why is that? I don't know. That's okay. a very good question. <laughs> like what? It's kind of like alcohol. Alcohol is absorbed project in your for you. When, you. when you get your lab or you, uh, you make a big donation to a laboratory, yeah. they'll, they'll find out why those oxalates are absorbed in the, uh, in the stomach. Yeah. What I suspect it is is because the stomach is so acidic. Um, it's like um, a pH of one, which is extremely acidic, and and at that pH, the oxalates are all in a form which I think is more easily absorbed. They're in it, whereas in the body, in the bloodstream, they're at a different pH. And they're probably somewhat less likely to be absorbed, whereas in the stomach, that very low pH uh, allows them to be absorbed more readily. So any other signs of oxalates? Let's see. Um, So, I mean, it can almost be any medical problem. That's the it could be having thyroid problems because it's been found that. The 
on on individuals who have who have have low thyroid, which is of course a very pro- a common problem, especially in women, that the that the individuals <coughs> have um, the amount of thyroid hormone being produced is dramatically reduced if these oxalate crystals are forming in the thyroid gland. And one thing to remember is that in some people, uh, if they have the oxalates, they don't necessarily have kidney stones. So at autopsy, they found there were a lot of people who had oxalate crystals uh, in their thyroid, in their testes, uh, in in, uh, other organs in the body, but did not have oxalates in their uh, kidneys or or uh, bladders. So what's interesting is that there's you know um, just a whole array of illnesses that can be associated with the uh, oxalate problem. So I think it is you know one of the great new possibilities for for uh, new medical therapies, uh, you know, a whole new approach in looking uh, at this at this problem. And the value of the organic acid test is, you know, we check the oxalates, but we check for the factors that contribute to like the candida and fungus markers. We also check for the vitamin B6, which is B6 deficiency is uh, one of the major factors associated with excessive oxalates. And we also check for the uh, markers that are associated with genetic forms of uh, oxalate uh, problems. Yeah. So there is a, uh, a wide range of information that, that uh, helps it was interesting as I was pre- preparing a a seminar. I I came across a a general physician in general practitioner in the UK who was eating the green smoothie type of diet and had severe fibromyalgia. And the headline of the of the story was "Throw out those healthy berries." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so she got relief and just so she had been severely impaired. She had a fibromyalgia support group. Just two days of removing the high oxalate diet um, and changing to the so-called unhealthy diet of meat and potatoes, uh, all her all her fibromyalgia pain was uh, was gone. And to prove it, she went back on the old diet and within a short time all her symptoms uh returned yeah it's uh i think it's one of those things where um you know if you have any kind of chronic pain syndrome and the doctors can't figure out what it is i think definitely doing an organic acid test is the way to go that would be it yeah that so and especially the uh the, the fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue so those are by far the, some of the more common things. And like I said, virtually every single kid with autism has the, the problem of the, uh, of the uh, high oxalates. And so when people are, are embarking on their low oxalate diet, do they have to be a little bit careful, you know, not mixing all of the, or- the oxalates right away because you start detoxing, you start releasing all these heavy metals that are bound into the oxalates. What are your thoughts on that to maybe kind of taper yeah, it slowly? That, that could be a factor. So, so I think it would definitely be, um, I think it's definitely worthwhile to, uh, to use the calcium and magnesium citrate at the, at the same time because the magnesium has the ability, if you put in high amounts of it, to displace the heavy metals from, uh, from the oxalate. So one of the physicians who had heard my seminar was impressed and, and really started using magnesium supplements uh, for a lot of her patients and had extremely uh, good results in reversing their problems with the uh, magnesium supplementation because it will displace the heavy metals from um, uh, binding to the oxalate. So it would be important to uh, 
especially important to be drinking lots of water. Uh, and the citrate is very useful. There you go. The, and the uh, citrate. So any of the citrus beverages, of which there's plenty of those around, are just taking um, uh, potassium citrate. I think you mentioned that. Uh, but anything containing uh, citrate would be would be uh, would be very helpful in that regard. Yeah, I was reading on your website, the Great Plains Lab website, that there's a few other supplements that could possibly be good and yeah. eradicate, eradicating oxalates. One of them was arginine. Yeah, arginine could be could be useful. Uh huh. How did, how is that helpful? It it helps to um, prevent the crystals uh, forming. And and so were uh, omega three fatty acids were useful as well. Okay. So those would be the other supplements. But the big one is to make sure of taking out the 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 highest oxalate foods from uh, uh, from the diet. That's probably the the most important factor. Uh, begin to um, uh, reduce those, and and so. Unfortunately, I think that you know that spinach is just not what the Popeye was really using. I'm convinced <laughs> that Popeye was really eating these big uh, cans of spinach that he would, and rather than having big biceps, he would have he would have muscles full of toxic oxalates <laughs> and, and crystals. And crystals and his muscles would very soon become necrotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what other foods should, should you be avoiding that are really, really high in oxalates? I've heard wheatgrass juice can be really, really high. And are, are we just, do we just need to avoid a lot of the green vegetables, the leafy green vegetables? Well, for example, lettuce is a, is a good substitute. It's not nearly as high. Broccoli is good. Um, now, all vegetables have some amount of of uh, oxalate, so you can't you you know you're you, you'd go crazy trying to if you tried to eliminate every oxalate containing food. Plus, even some of the amino acids in meat can be converted by the body to oxalate. So uh, the only one you really have to worry about is gelatin. So gelatin doesn't contain any oxalates, but it has an amino acid hydroxyproline that the body can convert to oxalates. So, so that would be one of the foods you should uh, consider uh, eliminating oh, is, really? uh, is jello. Okay, it's jello. <laughs> well, I know a lot and, of people. And I, I like doing this because I never liked jello anyway. <laughs> so I, I get a perverse pleasure in knocking all these foods that I never liked to begin with. And yeah. People always telling me I should eat the, these things because they were good for me. Well, I think you're probably <laughs> freaking out a lot of the listeners in the paleo community because a lot of them love to put uh, Great Lakes gelatin, et cetera, in their smoothies or their drinks or what have you. What what exactly is the, the, the problem with how they can, you know, create oxalates? Yeah, so the... The the big thing is that uh, gelatin is has like perhaps twenty uh, percent of the of the uh, amino acids are this hydroxyproline that the that the body converts to uh, oxalate. That's the big problem. There's no other substance. Uh, there's no other food that has anywhere near. So all proteins have. A small amount of this hydroxy uh, proline, but only gelatin has the huge amounts. And so, again, in animal studies, they showed if they put the animals on a diet supplemented with a lot of uh, gelatin, that they developed uh, very high oxalates uh, in in their um, in their urine within so, within a short period of time. Wow. So, so these things, again, you know, if people are only eating them occasionally, it's probably not going to cause a problem. But if they're, you know, they think that this is the, um, 
Rosetta Stone. They think that gelatin is the Rosetta Stone for all their food problems and start eating it daily. That's where they're going to run into problems. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the old old saying, you know, everything in moderation. Yeah. You don't want to go too crazy with any one food. Even if it's healthy, you can get too much of a good thing. Yeah. And so um, so you said to test for oxalates, you want to do an organic acids test. Yeah, which is, a you know, a, you just need a small morning urine sample. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm surprised, you know, I've had a lot of clients that like, oh, I have an organic acids test already from Genova Labs or something, and they don't test for oxalates. Um, yeah. Are, there's, uh, are there any other labs testing for oxalates? Uh, Mayo Clinic. Okay. But you would have to do a, a separate test. You know, the advantage of our test is it not only tests for oxalates, but it, it tests for all the things that related to it, candida, vitamin B6, uh, and uh, citrate, and the precursors of, um, of uh, oxalates. So you get, uh, you know, we have the best testing available for the for the uh, oxalate uh, uh, problem. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, it's just, uh, it amazes me that um, there's so many amazing labs out there and they're just so myopic and not uh, testing for or catching this, this very, uh, you know, common problem. Yeah, yeah. So it is, so there is a high percentage of abnormality is one of the most common abnormalities that, you know, that I find. So it, you know, it it there must be consequences for, you know, many different illnesses. But uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, are missing that information. Yeah. And how long does it take to get rid of oxalates? Well, according to this physician, it only took her two days. Uh, I don't think she was rid of it, but she was rid of a lot of the symptoms of it. Um, it it can sometimes take months for for because these things do accumulate in the tissue and it will be a step-by-step situation they they won't all most of the time they're not going to be all solubilized simultaneously the the it will be controlled by the body and they'll be gradually um, removed i could see i guess it's possible there might be a few cases where there's too much and then you could end up with kidney stones. But I think ordinarily um, the body will regulate itself and, and uh, these things will be, will be uh, slowly uh, eliminated uh, over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the person who's been on one of these high oxalate diets for a long time, I, I would say it probably takes uh, several months before uh, the body is um, removes a significant uh, or most of these oxalate deposits. What I suspect too is that this is another factor in women's health is it's been found individuals with high oxalates, the oxalate actually gets into the bone structure. So the oxalate is forming uh, in the bone crystals with by reacting with the calcium and it markedly weakens the bones. So I think that's why some of the older women are having problem with breaking bones and broken hips. Uh, and if, if they've had this uh, oxalate problem and they have large deposits of this, it, it may take, you know, months or perhaps even some cases a year or more before uh, these things are all uh, gotten rid of. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I really, really appreciate it. It was so good. And I was so excited to have you on the podcast to talk about this because I realized how pressing an, an issue uh, the, the you know oxalate prevalence is in, in our society and contributing to our health issues. Well, it was my pleasure Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. And I have one more question I'd like to ask you. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? The most pressing health issue, I think, is the rate of change of, of technology. That 
that we are altering our the entire biosphere so rapidly with things like genetically modified foods that require very toxic uh, herbicides or pesticides um, to go together with the genetically modified, like the GMO soy and the GMO corn that require Roundup or, or which is the glyphosate or there's new ones that are going to require uh, 2,4-D. So all of these things are being introduced into our society at an extremely rapid rate. And it sometimes takes 30 or 40 years to determine the toxicity of these things. And so our ability to introduce new products and alter uh, the entire biosphere of the earth, uh, that ability is, is, uh, is dangerous because we don't have time to assess what we're actually doing. We're making huge changes without knowing what the, what the uh, long-term effects are. And, and, and I think this is made even more dangerous because of the huge uh, population of the earth. You know, I, I don't know what the easy answer is. I've thought that, you know, there may need to be some fundamental change in families. You know, you know, maybe we all can't have a bunch of kids, you know, if we're going to uh, save the earth, because with the huge population, that makes it even more difficult because, you know, the argument for all these genetically modified foods is we're going to have to do this to support the huge population we have. So I think I think that we're going to have to find some way of uh, at some time of and hopefully voluntarily limiting the human population back to, you know, maybe the, the numbers that were in the year 1900 and also uh, putting a lot more stringent regulations on the introductions of, uh, of new chemicals and technology and, and obviously global warming. So all of these things are related to the, you know, the huge human population and the profit motive of chemical companies uh, producing new products that are introduced without adequate oversight. So those are the big, the biggest problems that, that I see and are the toughest challenges. And I think we should be asking our presidential candidates questions about these things. I mean, how are they going to deal with these issues? Yeah, it seems now they're just getting paid with the corporate lobbyists and yeah. being paid under the table, and they turn a blind eye to it. So it's probably not yep. going to change. That's why I advocate infrared saunas to just sweat mm-hmm. out all these chemicals. It's probably going to be the only insurance people can have against the toxic effects of all these chemicals synergistically in our body. And that's a great. That's a great. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a, a great way for um, for a person to detoxify most of these toxic chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Shaw, can you tell the listeners where they can find you and, you know, anything that you're up to in the future, any research projects, et cetera? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, one of the ex- new exciting research projects that's just come out is the phospholipase. It is the, uh, it is the toxin produced by rattlesnakes. It's in rattlesnake poison and it is the most common molecule produced in inflammation. So it's a and it's toxic for exactly the same reason that rattlesnake venom is is toxic because it causes the production of of uh, too many molecules that cause pain and in inflammation. And so um, this test just became available. I'm very excited, and I think it will apply to virtually every chronic illness. There there is. Uh, it has an involvement with this molecule. And what's so exciting is that there's a simple nutritional supplement that can uh, reverse that particular uh, problem. And the uh, also we're just on the verge of the introduction of a, a urine test for 
165 chemicals in the uh, in the urine wow. or for non-metal sub non-metal toxic substances. Ooh, so I'm excited about that one. <laughs> pesticides, uh, phthalates, the the whole uh, gamut of common toxic chemicals, and and I mentioned also in the fall we'll have one of the most comprehensive um, SNP assays that's available anywhere oh, are wow. looking at a lot of uh, different factors that I think are important. I mentioned oxalates, but there are many other uh, pathways that are not getting attention. Uh, and so it'll be one of the most comprehensive um, SNP panels available anywhere. So look for that in the fall. Yeah. Yeah, Look I'm really excited. Website. Yeah, what's the website again? <laughs> the website is gpl4u.com. That's GPL is the acronym for Great Plains Laboratory. The number four, the letter U.com. So gpl4u.com. And on the website, there is about 100 different webinars that are available that are archived that you can look at at any time on a whole host of uh, interesting topics for different diseases. Uh, so I think you you would find that extremely uh, interesting. So it's a great uh, resource that you can look at at two in the morning if you have insomnia. Yeah. <laughs> the oxalate pain is keeping you up. <laughs> well, Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate hey. your time. Yeah. Thank you again. It was a great pleasure. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. I wanted to give you a few tips and resources on how to address your oxalates and support groups that you can join. Certainly, there's groups on Facebook as well, but you can go to lowoxalate.info. Lots of information there about a low oxalate diet. You can also join the low oxalate group on Yahoo. This is one of the, the, the biggest groups on oxalates where you can get information and support. Go to oxvox.com, O-X-V-O-X.com, and click on the How of Low Oxalates. Then click on the Why Join the TLO Group. At the bottom of the page is very specific instructions on joining the Yahoo group. And after you apply, Yahoo will email you back when you're accepted. Um, and they'll send you an email, um, uh, all kinds of information. And on the, the group, they've got food lists, supplement lists, and um, other links, et cetera, that are very, very helpful in your endeavor to eat a low oxalate diet and get rid of your oxalates. If you need to do testing for oxalates, I do testing. I'm a functional and diagnostic nutritionist, so I can do the organic acids test by Great Plains Lab, offered by Dr. William Shaw. Just go to store.live2110.com and click on functional diagnostic tests, and then click on the oats or organic acids test, and I will happily run that for you and give you a very thorough interpretation of the test and recommendations to reduce your oxalates. You can go to my website at live2110.com to learn more about natural, you know, alternative methods to address your health conditions, natural means to reduce or eliminate your health conditions. You can learn about my version of paleo, the modern paleo diet, and all about my favorite subject, detoxification in our toxic modern world. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.